This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Stove League is brought to you by the Holy Grail Banks Tavern and Grill, Kettering Health Network, JTM Food Group, Norcom, and by Document Destruction. The Hot Stove League is also brought to you by Cincinnati Bell, connecting what matters. Your tri-state Chevy dealer. Check out their award-winning lineup at your Chevy dealer now. Encore Technologies and Cisco. Salvage Store USA in Wilmington, Ohio. Selling unclaimed freight at huge savings. And by United Dairy Farms, where Highlander Grog Coffee is back for a limited time. Fresher, better, UDF. The Reds are on the now, the Reds Hot Stove League on 700 WLW, the home of the Reds. And welcome in to the Reds Hot Stove League from Goodyear Ballpark in Goodyear, Arizona. With the Cowboy, Jeff Brantley. I'm Tommy Thrall. That's four hours of you and I, Cowboy. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Reds fans feel the same way. Well, there's plenty to get to. Let's start with some news out of camp today. Uh, Nick Senzel not in the starting lineup again today. Obviously, the off day yesterday didn't play in either game of the split squad on Monday. And but uh, David Bell talked about that a little bit today. He said that it, it's just a little minor twinge in the hamstring. Nothing big at all. Nothing to be alarmed about. So they're just giving him a little extra rest, and he'll be back in there. Should be in there tomorrow. Anytime that you transition an infielder by trade, to the outfield, there are two different spots that you look for, shoulder and hamstring. It always comes because you're using longer muscles, a longer throw from the outfield. It has a tendency to take a little bit of a physical toll, and you hope that this will be able to transition for Senzel as he moves forward without those issues. And and David kind of mentioned that today. He said you don't want to say that it's expected, but it's almost to some extent expected so it's not the end of the world that this is going on it's not a surprise and it certainly doesn't seem like anybody is alarmed by this at all well I I think everyone was prepared for it Um, I I think the information for Senzel was planned accordingly you just have you just have to make sure that you're on the right page not only from your planning standpoint but also with your communication with the player and it's one of those things where I'm sure especially with regards to Nick Senzel somebody doesn't see that he's in the lineup for a few days and then all of a sudden the red flags go everywhere because he's had so much trouble with injuries. This doesn't sound like it's anything to be alarmed about at all. He should be back in there today. In fact, he was going through drills today and hitting in the cage earlier today as well. Uh, Sonny Gray through yesterday. Everything checked out with that. We'll talk about that a little bit more uh, in the show later on. David Hernandez through today. Actually had a chance to see him. He threw to Michael Lorenzen actually was hitting uh, against David Hernandez, as was Taylor Trammell. Uh, everything seemed to look good there. Didn't get a chance to talk to anybody afterwards, but certainly seems like he's doing fine. So everything looks to looks to be on track there. As far as other notes around camp, everything else just seems to be going along pretty swimmingly. There's a lot to get to and a lot still to get figured out 
with regards to the outfield, with regards to the bench, uh, we still don't know who the starting three outfielders are going to be. We certainly don't know that Nixon Zell will be the starting center fielder. That, that still remains to be seen. And, and what are they going to do in left field? If you're watching, if you're trying to make those decisions, so let's put, your, put you in David Bell's situation. What are you looking for out of camp to help you make those decisions? Well, I think from a, a future aspect and, and really from the promotional standpoint, you've talked about Yasiel Puig in right field. You've talked about an up-and-coming Jesse Winker to play left field, and you're trying to figure out, okay, who can play center? Is it going to be Scott Shebler? Is it going to be Nick Senzel that we just talked about? Uh, are they going to? Are the Reds going to send Nick Senzel down? And the, the name that keeps popping up that nobody really talks about is Matt Kemp. You're talking about a veteran hitter that was an all-star for the Dodgers last year, has tremendous power, and you think about power in – Great American ballpark, even for a guy that, that puts the ball in the air a lot, that's big-time power in that ballpark. I find it hard to believe that the Reds would sit Matt Kemp if he puts together a great spring training. And so far, he's off to a good start. He, he is, and he homered again on Monday. Uh, things are going well for him. And I don't – he hasn't come right out and said it, but he has kind of been – pretty clear that he is not real keen on the idea of being a backup. No, I, I think any time that you're a veteran player and you've, you've put up the numbers and, and done the things that Matt Kemp has done in the past, as long as you're doing what you're supposed to do, then you feel like you should play. There's a pride aspect to that. And, and I think that, that he's a proven commodity as far as big league production is concerned. And when you have a proven commodity – uh, you've got to take that in consideration when you start talking about playing time. That's, that's where the, the tough decisions for any manager, much less a rookie manager like David Bell, that's when the tough decisions come in. It is certainly going to be a tough decision. If you've got Winker and Kemp sitting there on the opening day roster, who plays? Well, I, I think you have, to, you have to have some great communication, number one, with both of those guys. Um, and, and as much production as we've seen about having Yasiel Puig on this ball club, uh, it'd be awfully difficult, even even if Puig had a terrible spring training, to sit him on opening day because right. I, th I think the expectation from the fans is that Yasiel Puig is going to be the Reds' right fielder. Now as a, as a manager, uh, you have to figure out, okay, if it's a right-hander and it gives me my best chance to win on opening day, am I going to start Jesse Winker? Am I going to start Matt Kemp? Matt Kemp traditionally hits right-handers awfully well. So they're, those are tough decisions. I'm glad I'm not the manager making that decision. And, of course, the rotation still has to be figured out as well, and, and there's so many question marks still to be figured out with this team. Sign your son or daughter up for the coolest club in all of Reds country. For only $30, your child can become a Reds Heads Kids Club member and get an exclusive backpack jersey, Joey Votto bobblehead, free Reds tickets, members-only experiences, and more. Purchase today at reds.com slash kidsclub. It's the Reds and the Padres coming up. We've got a night game at Goodyear Ballpark today, and we're going to see Anthony DeSclafani on the mound. Uh, so that's certainly exciting. Tanner Roark threw the other day. Uh, DeSclafani's been progressing a little bit. We'll talk about him briefly coming up a little bit later on, but Tanner Roark really threw the ball well and was stretched out to three innings the other day on Monday. That certainly seems to be a good sign as he gets closer to being opening day ready. If, if he is the opening day starter, still no decision made on that yet. Well, I, I think when you talk about Tanner Roark, the, 
the mantra that I felt watching Roark in a Nationals uniform is he was a workhorse. He was always there every fifth day. He was always able to make the starts when you asked him to be able to do so. And there's no reason to believe that that's not the same pitcher that you have right now. I mean, he's the one guy that has come into camp and everything has clicked for here in the beginning. But as I've told you many times, and I'll say it over and over again, I don't care what you do in the beginning of spring training. It's the last 10 days, the last couple of starts, the last three or four ball games in the at-bat department that really de- determines it for me. And that's that applies to both pitchers and hitters alike, correct? Yeah, I, I think that everyone is getting ready in a, in a different sense right now. I, I think there are, there are certain pitchers that go out and throw nothing but fastballs. They want to get their arm lengthened out. They may get hammered, but they're getting their pitches in. You, you have to balance track record with young guys that hit nothing but fastballs. Spring training is, is a very difficult time to evaluate uh, whether you can play in the big leagues or not, especially for young players, because a lot of young hitters come to the big leagues. That's all they can hit is a fastball. When you get to double A, they throw a couple of different pitches at you, and, it, and it's the equalizer. But here early in spring training, there's a lot of fastballs, and there are a lot of guys that are young that hit fastballs well early in spring camp. We've talked about the outfield. One thing we haven't talked a lot about is this bench because you've got Derek Dietrich in camp, and then the Reds go out and add Jose Iglesias. And this is a gold-glove caliber defender who's actually hit a little bit. Everybody talks about his defense, and and it seems like there's a lot of talk that maybe he doesn't swing the bat that well. He can still hit for a little bit of average, so... Those are two spots, it's, it would seem, that would take up potentially four bench spots. Yeah, when you, when you talk about that 12- or 13-man bullpen, I, I think it really starts to affect the makeup of your roster. And we've heard David talk a lot about we'd like to carry 13 pitchers early because you're not going to get so much length out of your starters early in the season, and you're going to tax your bullpen in the month of April and into May. With that being said, There are some guys that could get their feelings hurt not being on the roster if we only have a four-man bench to begin with. And one guy that seems like if he doesn't make this team, I don't know where he fits in. That's Scott Schebler. Yeah, I think when you you look at the the roster that the Reds have had for the last few years and and you talk about uh, a guy that has really been an everyday player for the Reds is Scott Schebler. Now, do you have to continue to put up production and, and keep that role? Yeah, you do. You still have to be able to to produce in order to keep that role. But now that they've penciled in Yasiel Puig in right field, that was the spot that Shebler occupied more times than not. Let's talk about another outfielder. While we're at it talking about out, outfielders, Philip Irvin's having a wonderful spring right now, and this is a first-round draft pick. Uh, he got a little time last year and did a nice job when he was in there last year. What's he got to do to have a chance to make this team, or is there anything he can do? Does he just need to be right now trying to <laughs> earn a spot somewhere else? Well, I, I think the, the key for Philip Irvin is Nick Senzel. If Nick Senzel makes this club, Philip Irvin does not, and that's just the way it is. If, if Nick Senzel is sent down or if the Reds decide to hold him down in the early part of the season, I mean, it won't be the first team that, that's done that in the past, then – Irvin's got a shot to make this club. But if Sinzel is on the opening day roster, I don't care if Philip Irvin hits 500 in spring training with 10 home runs, he's not going to make the club. Yeah, it's certainly going to make things tough for him. And that's a tough situation because of how well he's playing. But he seems, in a conversation I had with him, he seems to have a pretty good approach to things. As far as the rotation shakes out, we'll see Dee Sclafani today. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit more 
later on. But out of Di Sclafani, how does he keep taking steps forward to make this rotation? I think the, the issue for all of those starters is consistency, trying to get up, build up arm speed and being consistent. For Anthony individually, he's got to leave camp healthy. We've not seen that in a while. Is it important for him to put up numbers? And I know that there, this is early in camp, but is, is it important for him to, to have success? I don't know that success is such a, a, a great reason for Di Scafani. It's more arm strength, being healthy. If that's the case, he'll be ready to go. Sounds good. This is the Reds' hot stove league. Plenty more to get to, including pitching coach Jer- uh, Derek Johnson coming up. Again, you're re- listening to the Reds' hot stove league, presented by Budweiser and UDF on the Reds' radio network. Welcome back to the Reds Hot Stove League presented by Budweiser and UDF. We're joined now by Reds pitching coach Derek Johnson. And Derek, camp's a little bit different than it has been in the past. So how's it been so far for you? It's been a lot of fun for me. And, and I, I think, you know, it's, it's different from a standpoint of new faces, new team, and, you know, all, all of that. But it's the same. I mean, it's baseball and it's guys trying to do, you know, the, the right things and get better. And so, you know, from that end, it uh, feels pretty familiar. The way this staff has been compiled, it seems like you guys are pretty youthful and enthusiastic. What's it like being a part of this group? Yeah, it's it, again, it's, it's fun. I mean, um, you know, we're, we're going through things and, and covering things that maybe with a veteran team you don't do. Um, and, and to me, like, it's it's great joy in teaching that. So, you know, from my standpoint, um, it gives me a, a chance to, to get to know these guys because we're talking so much and because we are covering those kind of, you know, I guess old things. But, um, you know, so far they've been energetic. Uh, they've been enthusiastic about the process. Um, they seem hungry to want to know. Uh, you know, and from that end, that's, that's really all you can ask. As you look at this season, and, and one thing that I know – the fans will certainly notice a guy like Michael Lorenzen is given an opportunity to really play both ways pitch and run around in the outfield a little bit swing the bat that says to me that that you guys have the backing to to get creative is that is that nice is it nice to have that luxury and 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 are there other things you guys are constantly looking at to to possibly be forward thinking and innovative with well, yeah, I mean, I, I think now you, you have to create any sort of edge that you can, and every team is doing that, and every team's looking for, you know, some sort of advantage or some uniqueness to, to what kind of personnel they have. Um, and, and that's what we're doing. I mean, we're ex- exploiting some uniqueness in, in players that we have, and, you know, the, the, the guys upstairs are, are all for it. You know, we look at it like he can be a baseball player. He doesn't have to be looked at as just a pitcher or just a position player. Um, and I think you're going to see that more and more as we go, as, as teams kind of start to think that way more and more. And so, um, you know, not that we're beating the curve. It's just, you know, taking advantage of someone who's really athletic and that we think can do, you know, a couple of different things. When you look at the, I guess, this rotation, you've got three guys that are new to this rota- uh, rotation and organization uh, that have had success in the past. How do you get that success out of them again? Well, you, you certainly don't try to break, break something that's not broken um, or fix something that's not broken. And, you know, from, from that end, um, you know, it's, it's really kind of following their lead on what they want to do and how they want to do it. Um, it's maybe adding an ingredient or two if you feel like, you know, it's, it, you, you can or it's necessary. And then, um, you know, it's just kind of getting into uh, getting to know them a little bit more and trying to figure out what makes them work. From a pitching perspective, is there somebody that's impressed you in camp? 
albeit early, but at this point that, that you maybe had some familiar with familiarity with last year? Yeah, and, and honestly, the, the two guys that I can think of right off the top are young guys in Gutierrez and, and uh, Santion. I mean, both of those guys are 22 years old, and they pitch well above their years. They have great stuff. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you know, I think anything about this year, but, but it looks to me like we've got a couple of really good guys on our hands, and just how they've handled themselves, how they've mixed in with the group. Um, it doesn't always happen that way, and it's really impressive, you know, as, as young men, uh, and how they've handled themselves. Well, thanks to Derek Johnson for joining us today on the Reds Hot Stove League presented by Budweiser and UDF. And, well, Cowboy, as we sit here and, and look at this team and this pitching staff under a new pitching coach, there are some veterans on this team that have been around a little bit, and sometimes it can be different when you're dealing with a new pitching coach. How does that affect guys? I, I think it can affect you in a, in a good way for, for some guys. I think it can affect you a little bit negative um, for other guys. I, I think any time that you come in – uh, with a new pitching coach, a new team, uh, there's a lot to learn for both sides of the fence. Not just the pitching coach learning about the pitchers themselves, but about you trusting the guy that's giving you advice on a daily basis. We've seen the Reds kind of using a different approach to how they're handling pitchers in spring training, a modified approach, if you will. Uh, for some guys, that's probably fine. For other guys that are used to it a certain way, that's got to be an adjustment as well. Well, I, I think over the next two and a half, three weeks, we'll, we'll see that transition a little bit. I, I think for, for the veteran guys that, that have been around, the three guys that we picked up during the offseason, Gray and Wood and Roark, I, I think they will, because they've been through this so many times, they'll dictate a little bit more about what makes them ready for opening day or for the first start of the season. And, and I think with some of the younger guy, for some of the younger guys, there's going to be a little back and forth between them and Derek Johnson. But I think ultimately uh, it comes down to the pitchers themselves. If they say they need extra work, I think they'll get extra work. It may not be on a big league field. It may be in a B game or against minor leaguers. When you talk about back and forth, that's not negative. That's just a, a conversation back and forth about where they're at, right? I, I think any time that you can have that – open communication and I think anytime you hear about the Reds camp that's the biggest thing that they talk about is open communication and I, and I think that's what helps you as a player to understand what's going on but it also helps you to understand each other and that goes both ways. Seems like camp is going along well so far. We saw Rysel Iglesias make his debut this spring. They were holding him off as a back-end reliever. Is that kind of nice to know that there's not a lot of pressure on you to be ready day one of camp? Well, I already believe spring training is too long to begin with. Uh, it's all about starting pitching and getting guys to that five and six inning mark before the first start of the year. For relievers, especially guys that are expected to pitch one or two innings, uh, you don't really need that first week of spring training. You don't need that comp competitive edge. You need to work on your stuff, make sure your arm strength is there. Then you put yourself into a ball game, very similar to what we saw with Rysel Iglesias. It is the Reds and the Padres coming up shortly. But right now you're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League presented by Budweiser and UDF back with more right after this on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back. You're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League presented by Budweiser and UDF. Buy the Reds Pick 6 plan presented by McDonald's and receive an exclusive oversized Joey Votto bobblehead. You can pick any six Red games, including Fireworks Fridays and Bobblehead Saturdays, while saving up to 25%. Plus, you get six free McDonald's extra value meal vouchers. For tickets, visit reds.com slash 
150. And uh, we, we've been talking pitching, so let's talk some more pitching. Sonny Gray came out with some rather candid remarks about his time with the Yankees. What do you make about what he said? I think anytime you have a, a rough go at a certain place, there, there obviously is some, I, I don't want to say ill will, but it, you could tell by Sonny's interview and by his comments, uh, his inabilities there bothered him. And I think that's, that's understandable. He had such great success in Oakland. I think there was a lot of expectation when he went to New York. And, you know, anytime you have fans or writers or coaches, what, whatever it may be, that challenge you personally and maybe say, well, he couldn't handle New York or he couldn't handle the, the pressure of the big stage, uh, that upsets you. And it was obviously that he was upset. And I think that – that's a great chip to have on your shoulder if you're Sonny Gray, especially if you're a Cincinnati Reds fan. No doubt. He certainly comes into count, uh, camp with something to prove this year, doesn't he? I don't know that he has something to prove. I think Sonny Gray probably feels like he does. And that's a, that's a great asset to have every time you go out there every fifth day. Uh, Sonny Gray is already a great competitor. I think he understands the give and take of pitching. Uh, he's coming to a new league. It's going to be difficult for hitters in the beginning to, to understand how he goes about his business. Now that Sonny actually understands what a little bit of failure is like, I, I think it'll make him a better pitcher. Also being reunited, I know there's been a lot made of him being back with Derek Johnson, but, but quickly, I mean, that can make a, a big difference from a psychological standpoint. I, I think from a comfortability perspective, yeah, it, it does make a lot of difference. And, and I think there's new information out now that – was not really available when, when Sonny pitched for Derek at Vanderbilt. And I think that trust factor that we talked about before really helps in that area. Well, it'll be fun to watch him when he gets back on a mound. Should be sometime soon. You're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League presented by Budweiser and UDF, the Holy Grail Banks and Budweiser. Proud sponsors of the Reds Hot Stove League. Grab your buds for our next live show Wednesday, March 27th with specials on Bud and Bud Light buckets at the Holy Grail Bank, Cincinnati's home for sports. This is the Reds Hot Stove League on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back to the Reds Hot Stove League presented by Budweiser and UDF. We are coming to you from beautiful Goodyear Ballpark in Goodyear, Arizona. Sunshine and bright. We're getting ready for first pitch. It's the Reds and the Padres coming up shortly here on the Reds Radio Network. Register uh, now for official baseball and softball camps for the Cincinnati Reds. Campers receive their own Reds uniform. Instruction from a Reds coach. Guest appearance Buy a current Red Star, free tickets, and plenty more. Register today at reds.com slash camps. And I'm here with the Cowboy, Jeff Brantley. And Cowboy, it, it's getting close, I would think, to cuts. And, and we talked to David Bell earlier today. They're going to meet about that. And it'll probably be we'll see the first wave of cuts coming sometime in the next week. What is this time like in camp for players that may be on the chopping block? Well, I think most of the guys that will be sent down or – cut loose in the first cuts already know that and and I think that what you have as a young player is you have an opportunity to come to big league camp you get a chance to play in front of the big league coaches let them have an eye on you uh, if you're a guy that's trying to make this club you're probably not going to be cut in that first go round unless you're either injured or unless things have really gone sour I think the biggest issue right now for for David Bell and his coaching staff is getting a little more room, not only in the locker room, but getting a little more room in the field of play. And by that, I mean getting guys some more at-bats, some more innings, and by doing that, you've got to get your 25-man roster ready to go sooner or later. More to come on the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by Budweiser and UDF. 
Welcome back to the Reds Hot Stove League, coming to you from Goodyear Ballpark out here in Arizona. We've got Anthony DeSclafani pitching today. It's the Reds and the Padres coming up shortly. What have you seen out of Anthony DeSclafani, and what are you looking for from him today? I think probably an extra couple of innings, uh, possibly, if he can keep the pitch count down. I, I noticed something in, in DeSclafani's first time out that he, he looked like he changed a little bit of his arm action. He was quicker getting on top of the baseball. That made his breaking ball a lot better, but it also made his command a lot better with his fastball. Uh, I think for DeSclafani, anytime his command is better, he's already difficult enough to hit. Uh, when his command is on, that makes him even that much tougher. All right, look forward to it. It's the Reds and the Padres coming up next on the Reds Radio Network. You've been listening to the Reds Hot Stove League presented by Budweiser and UDF.